Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spade. He's one of our elders, and here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets, where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, I want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. All right, let's, uh, let's pray. We'll get started. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to study your holy word. Father, we know the power it has. We know the things that it can do to change people's lives. And mm -hmm. I pray, Father, that you help us to, to glean out of it this, this evening some truths that we can use and truths that we can, that we can apply in a, in a very powerful way in our lives. Thank you, Father, for the opportunities that we have. Thank you for the, for the, the, uh, the avenue that we have to, to broadcast this from and just all the things you've blessed us with. And we thank you, Father. Bless us as we study. Bless us as we present this 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 message and these texts in a way that we can, uh, that people can learn. And thank you, Father, for the opportunity. Thank you for your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're in Numbers chapter 11. And just to, to briefly recap what we, what we saw yesterday is the Israelites, they've just left you know they've been they've been on the road for maybe three days and they're already complaining. Yeah. And uh, they're already upset at God. They're already repenting from their repentance. They're already turning away from following God and saying it would be better if we went back to Egypt. Moses hears this and he gets incredibly frustrated and upset and he confronts God with this problem. And I'm just going to read through it again. He looks at God and he says, you know, look, you know, did I conceive all these people? You know, this is in uh, chapter 11, verse around verse 10 and 11. You know, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you call me, tell me to carry them in my arms? You know, where can I get meat for all these people? How am I going to do that? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry, and this is really the, the crux of it. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I found favor in your eyes, do not let me face uh, my own ruin. So... Moses is obviously at wit's end. He's in good company. Elijah will eventually get to this point as well. Yeah. Um, we see Christ get to this point, but conquer it at the very end, right? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Christ mm -hmm. looks at him and says, you know, let this pass cup, cup pass for me, but your will, not my will be done. And so this is, of course, the expectation. This is the, the perfection that is Christ. He doesn't falter where men like us will falter. Uh, but... I think it's also a fair complaint. I don't think it's wrong. I think we have to. We all have to kind of know our limits. And so Moses basically says, "I've reached mine. Mm -hmm. I can't deal with it." I think that uh, maybe I, I don't know. Maybe Moses was at a point where he wasn't. Uh, maybe he didn't have sound counsel behind him. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe maybe there was nobody he would really listen to. I think that that. Uh, well, we how frustrating that... is it? Let's let's this you're. He's in a he's in a pastoring position. Mm -hmm. You're in a pastoring position. Mm -hmm. How frustrating is it to watch the sheep 
put their head in the same noose over and over and over and it's again. extremely difficult to watch you know and it's, now it's not just one the entire flock yeah it's it's tough it's tough to watch i mean I, I see it all the time i see the i see the the lack of spiritual growth yeah and it uh, and it it i won't say it frustrates me it, it saddens me because i know what people are capable of sure you know i know what uh, you know why i know what the i know what the church is and i know what god intends for it to be mm-hmm. you know and 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 how much more it could be if people would realize you know what god is calling them to yeah. and realize what their what their responsibility is and yeah so here moses is looking around and he's and he has a perfect vision of god he has a perfect vision of the plan he may not know where they're going for sure but he has a complete trust in god that, that god's going to do it that god's going to take care of it that he's not able but then it gets overwhelming for him because he's looking at it and he's saying you know look at all these people and the rabble it says the rabble spoke up against it probably wasn't a great deal of people but it was a it was a it was a vocal it was a vocal segment you know well and for sure numbers 14 because i disagree i think it's the majority of the people but it may be by numbers 14 it will be yeah it the, will be by the, the entire it, people so but it always takes a group to start the group you know you know you don't you don't sit in a car in a car seat i mean in the seat of the car and say okay start okay start there's some things you have to do, but once you do a one thing, it it generates a perpetual motion of more oh, things to happen. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. and that's the same thing here. You know, I mean, I know what happens. I know when you put the key in the ignition and say start, it's not going to do nothing. I know if you say start again, it's still not going to do anything. You have to physically do something. But once you do, I know what happens. I know what I know where all of the little tentacles go to to make things work and make things happen. And uh, and most people don't. Well, when you have a group like this, you see a, you see a group. Well, nothing happens if the group stays within the group and just and they're just mumbling. But once they once you turn the key, whatever that key is, then the then it gets sets in motion and then you can't stop it. Yeah. You know, unless you turn the key off and here you got a rabble griping and complaining and they turn the key, but we want meat to eat. There's the key. You know, you know what? No, I do too. I'm sick and tired of eating this manna. I don't like this. It tastes really good, but I don't like it anymore. You know? And so now you've got a whole group of people. Now you, now it's starting to infiltrate. It's like a cancer starting to infiltrate. Well, same thing happens only, in church. And not only them saying, and let's, and I want to clarify because a lot of times we can get lost in in what's actually happening here, mm-hmm. right? We can look at their situation and go, well, yeah, I could understand. I don't want to eat mm-hmm. the same thing for forty years. You know, what I mean, yeah, that's that's frustrating. Okay, they're not taking their frustrations to God and saying, God, we know you can provide. We know you're good. We know you will provide. You know, is there any way that maybe once once a month we could have something different than manna, right? That's not what happened. What no, happened is no. they went, yeah, I want meat, and, and it was better in Egypt, and so we should go back to Egypt. So that's that was, what they're actually that saying. A, that was a blatant disrespect of God. And yeah. it was a blatant, uh, it was anarchy. Yeah, it was, it's literally looking at God and saying, God, you're not good, you're evil, and what you're doing is evil, and we're better what off. What you did to us is evil. Right, and we're better off back in Egypt. So it's a complete lack of faith, a complete lack of trust, and even a mischaracterization. I mean, and that's that's exactly what happened in the garden. What happened in the garden? Satan looked, looked at Eve, right? The serpent looked at Eve and said, you know, no, when you eat this fruit, you're not going to die. Then you'll be like God. And for her to believe that lie, she had to believe that God was keeping something 
from her, which is exactly what he said. The serpent said, he goes, he goes, yeah, God doesn't want you to eat of it because he knows in the day you eat of it, you will be like him. God's already said you're like him. So you've got to, at that point, totally discount who God is and what he's doing and his nature completely and all rebel. these things. Completely rebel. Completely rebel. And completely that's what rebellion. she did. And Adam went along. Yeah. You know, Paul will say, you know, well, Eve was deceived. Okay. Well, yeah, Eve was deceived, but Adam was apathetic. The, the sin came through Adam. That's what I, it says. I would say that. I would say that if it's our responsibility as men, if God's expectation of a man is to lead, then it is our responsibility. Mm -hmm. The buck stops with me. Yeah. So if my wife is going off in into the far country, that's that's on me. Yeah. I need to do something. She'll still about have to be held accountable. Yeah, she because still has the a choice, choice she makes. Because but, the choice but, she but, makes. Yeah. yeah. So so there's so there's really two problems in this story, right? Yeah. The first problem is the people. Yeah. Right. The people have decided that they're going to rebel against God. That's not good. So we've got to, God's got to deal with that. But now God has his servant, his intercessor, his, the guy, mm -hmm. Moses, the prophet, and he's, he's having this crisis. So God's going to deal with both these problems. He's mm -hmm. going to deal with them right here in this yeah. chapter. And let's yeah. see how God deals with it. So let's look at verse 16. The Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting, that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. God recognizes how difficult mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. And he says, it's not good for you to do this alone. I'm going to create for you some people. I'm going to I'm going to grab onto these people and they're going to help you do it. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the benefits that we've talked about and we've seen, uh, one of the things I love, you know, sometimes I can be very non-traditional when it comes to Churches of Christ. But one of the things I absolutely love is the emphasis on a plurality of elders. Mm -hmm. It is good to have multiple elders. And it's good because exactly what we talked about earlier, the job of shepherding the flock of God can be difficult. Mm -hmm. It can be so depressing. It can be so, I mean, imagine if you were by yourself doing this job. No, you couldn't do it. No, it'd be horrible. Couldn't. No, you couldn't do it. It'd, it'd be horrible. Yeah. That's why you never see evidence of it in the New, in the New Testament. It's always a plural. It's always, already, always. it's always a group. It's always and, a group. And it's, it's like that way in the first, it's like that way in the second, up until about the third century, you start seeing, Churches in the third century. Elevate one man. Start elevating one man. You mm -hmm. do start to see that very early. But up until that point, it's very clear that it was a plurality. The mm -hmm. the, the bishops or the, the elders, the pastors, they were... And understand that word bishop is one of the words that's translated. Yeah, it's all the same word. The, it's all the same. Pastors, bishops, shepherds, all, elders, they were all the same. It's all, it's all referring to the same group of men. Same group of different, men. Different words, but referring to... With different, with different, with different descriptive terminology of who right. they are, you know, what they do, you know, but I, there's a scripture here. We've read sure. it before. It's in Romans chapter 15 and verse four. Uh, and it says, and you know, I, I, Leo put it up there for you. It says for everything was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance of that taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope, you know? So I look at this and I was thinking about this yesterday. I thought, you know, when, do we do enough to, the, to tell the audience, what are you going to learn from this? What are you learning from this? When you feel rebellious, God's a big boy. He can handle it. But it'll get to a point when he won't put up with it anymore. He's going to do that here. But when, you, when you're struggling under the weight 
of being a mom or being a dad or being a, a leader of any kind in, in your job. You know, you get on, you get to God and you say, God, I can't do this by myself. I don't know how to fix it. I know you do. Can you fix this for me? And God always will show up to, for, to help his people. When will you not show up to help your children? Okay. You know, when will we have, you know, when, I mean, I'm a grandparent and, and, you know, Paul and Delissa need us for something for next week. And, uh, and we're going to, you know, we're going to have Mason at our house for a couple of days. We're going to take him to his little, his things that he does. And, and because, because Delissa's, you know, coming and going, and I said, man, just bring him Monday and leave him and pick him up Tuesday evening. You know, I mean, it's fine, but you know, we have, it, it's, we're going to show up. God's better at this than we are. Definitely is better. What's he trying to teach me here? Moses is struggling. He's struggling under the weight of leadership. He's struggling under the weight of the negativity. He's, he's struggling. You know, they can't get their hands on God. So who do you think they're going to try to get their hands on? If it goes south, who are they going to try to get their hands on? It doesn't say that here. But it wouldn't surprise me that, that Moses looked at it and said, you know, they could try to get their hands on me. Well, really what we see is is two different approaches, mm -hmm. right? It's the same problem, right? We have, there's an obstacle in your path. Mm -hmm. The people chose rebellion. The people chose not to trust that God is good. Mm -hmm. They chose not to believe him. They chose to doubt him. They chose to turn away from him, right? God, I don't like your way. Your way is difficult. And I'm not going to come to you and and put it, put it before you that I'm struggling with your way. I'm just going to say I don't like it, and I'm done, and I'm going to do things my way. And that's essentially what they're doing. Yes. Moses is doing it the other way. It's also a problem. Moses' problem, he has a problem, he has an issue. And what does he do? Just like Abraham, he goes to God with it. And he says, God, I'm sucking wind here. I'm struggling. I'm getting kicked in the teeth. I need help. Why? Because Moses trusts that God is good. So really, what it really boils down to is, do you actually believe that God is good? And for the people, they don't. They don't. If you believe God is good, you're going to go to him with your concerns and your problems and your complaints. If you don't believe God is good, you're going to rebel and try to do things your own way. Mm -hmm. that's, that's really what it boils down to. And we see both of these examples right here in this text. Mm -hmm. Think about Abraham. Yeah. Abraham doesn't, he doesn't have a child. He doesn't have an heir. And he puts that before God. Yeah. And he says, I don't, I don't have an heir. Let Ishmael live before you. He doesn't go run around God and say, well, I'm not going to circumcise and I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that in Genesis 17. What he says is, no, God, you have said that I'm going to have an heir that has not happened yet. So let Ishmael live before you. And God says, no, we're going to do it this way. And what does Abraham do? Okay. okay. I believe God. Yeah. So yeah. It, it really all just boils down to, do you actually believe God is good? And I think... What we see here in the text is that most people don't. Yeah. And, I, and I really think, even among Christians today, we struggle to believe that God is good. Mm -hmm. yep. I, think you're I right. get cancer. How is God good? I yep. thought all things were to work out to my good. You see? And I twisted what Romans actually says, but that's the way we hear it. I like, I like what, what God tells him next. Read it. He said, tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. When you will eat meat, the Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we are better off in we were better off in Egypt. Now, the Lord will give you meat, and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day, or two days, or five, ten, or twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. 
because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? God said, I'm going to give you what you want. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think we have to be careful what we ask for. You know, God says, I know what you need before you ask for it. Be careful. He tells us in Romans 12 that we're supposed to be conformed, not to, we're supposed to be transformed. Part of that transformation is, is I start looking at life from God's perspective, not my own. Conforming to the pattern of this world, look, we have a society right now, what are they doing? Looking at the world through their own eyes. Well, it's all about them. Yes. It's all about, it's all about me. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going, you know, when you transform, you start looking at it through God's eyes, or trying to look at it through God's eyes, then it says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Because I'll start to see things from God's perspective. These people are looking at it through their own perspective. And God says, fine, I'll give it to you. And I'm going to give it to you for a whole month. And you're going to eat so much quail. I like quail, but I don't want to eat it for a month. You know, my wife's making spaghetti tonight. I love her spaghetti. I don't want to eat it for a whole month. I like it one day, but I don't want it for, and maybe even you'll eat it for leftovers. But I third day, I'm done. I'm, I'm good. I, let's, we're going to have something else. Yeah, but but it's a, it's, it's a, when you look at this and you see how similar we are, to these people, how, how similar the world is. I mean, it you know, a flashpoint can happen and a whole city can go up in smoke. And it's not everybody, but it's a it's that it's that rabble that starts it and then it affects. I saw the other day where, you know, back during during a, the beginning of COVID, during COVID, Oregon was just blowing up. Mm -hmm. Riots all the time. Portland was just blowing. Now I saw a scene where they've lost like three or four percent of their population. They've lost billions of dollars as a state because people said, I'm done. And they left because the rule of law is not there. They, you know, they wanted to defund the police. It was a very liberal kind of state. And they and people were just leaving. And I, I don't know how true it was. I'm just quoting what I saw. But they said, I think three percent of the population left. That's a lot of people. And they left and went somewhere else. How much, you know, that that the people that left, they were the people that stood off to the side and said, I don't want to do this. Here, everybody's going to have to eat the meat. Everybody. That rabble is going to affect the whole place. And that sin affects the whole place. You put sin in the, in the church. And you see it all the time. You put sin in church. You let you go sideways and see what happens. It affects and infects the whole place. Sure. And you'll start to see, you'll start to see, well, if it's good enough for him, what about your new converts? What about Marcus and Robert? Well, it, it, it must be okay if Cole can do it. And now it's infected them. Now their families are imploding. You know, it's that's what happens when you have this kind of nonsense, this rebellion from God. Well, yeah. and I mean, it, it absolutely destroys lives. And it's going to culminate. It's going to culminate in the entire, you know, I, I already think it's the majority of the people. Mm -hmm. You're saying it's just this smaller group. Well, I think, I think very quickly, all right, the rabble, you know, when you turn the key on an ignition, okay, mm -hmm. it only takes a millisecond for it to, for the whole car to change. Sure. Okay. The whole car went from dormant to active. Right. In a moment. In a, I mean, you hit the key and, and when you, when you go, when it crushes you is when you hit the key and nothing happens. Yeah. Not, I mean, what? Yeah. Because you're supposed, you're, you know that within that millisecond, the whole thing's going to change. Right. And that's what happens. You get a rabble, they turn the key and pretty, and within a moment, the whole thing changes. Right. You know, how, how fast you think the information highway was in this place? 
Oh, you know, man. People were hearing, you know, through at the farthest edge of the camp, they knew. Because they'd been grumbling about it for a while. This wasn't something. The rabble just didn't. It, this isn't where it started. The rabble started, you know, you know, when you first turn a key on, if you're smart in a car, you don't put it in gear and take off. You let it sit there for a minute. Let it sit there and just and just percolate for a bit. Let the oil pressure get up a little bit. Let I me mean, let the oil temperature get up a little bit. Let the water temperature start to climb a little bit. And then you move. And because it's better for the vehicle, it's better for a motor to do that. And uh, and you know the this thing, it's been percolating for a while. Now now the whole thing's the whole thing's gonna come on right. Well and I would say it's it's been going on I mean, so it's been going on since again, before the you know, calf. We, we look at the structure of the, the five books of the Bible, and it really is just like my hand here, right? So you have Genesis on this end, and the mirror of Genesis is Deuteronomy. You have Exodus on this end, the mirror is Numbers, and then you have Leviticus right in the middle. And what you see is between Exodus and Numbers is there's parallels. And so the parallel in, in Exodus is the rebellion as they're leaving Egypt, mm -hmm. they're already rebelling. Yeah. They're already, you know, they get there. Oh, there's no water. Mm -hmm. Now here, that's the first rebellion. There's no water, mm -hmm. right? Now here they're leaving Mount Sinai. And the very first thing is now we don't have anything. We don't have any meat. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's a parallel and it's all the people. And in Exodus 32, it was all the people that wanted the golden calf. Mm -hmm. So the, the rebellion has been consistent since they've left Sinai. So, but it's not a big deal. Whether you think it started with a small group and a larger group, moved to a larger group, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's rebellion. Yeah. And the reason it's rebellion is not because they want meat. We're going to make that really, really clear. We're going to want all sorts of things. My kids want all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. They have no idea how bad it is for them, but they want these things. Yeah. And what our, like, we have, we have a real issue with our kids right now and I'm, I'm losing my mind dealing with it, but it's, I think it's just going to be the nature of the way it is. Our kids have decided that they know we're going to say no to all of their requests. <laughs> That's what they've decided. That's not true. That's not true at all. Right. But we have six kids. Okay. Five of them are all, you know, adolescents, all stair step. And these five kids, they will eat us out like locusts. They will eat us out of house and hold if we let them. So we'll buy, you know, a 60-pack 60 60 pack of, like, the Nature's Valley granola bar or something. Like, we'll buy that, right? Okay, that'll be gone. If each of them just has one, right, every day, it's gone in 12 days. So yeah. it won't even last us half the month, uh -huh. okay? That's if they have one, Okay. They're adolescents. They could sit down and eat three. Yeah. Right. So then, then we're saying these things are gone in two days, mm. right? If they're eating three or four at a time, right? So we buy these snacks. We know that they need to last us a little bit, and so we, and not to mention they're really not very good for them. No. Right. They've got a lot of sugar and stuff yeah. in them, and so we want to we want to hey like you can have well, one with lunch, yeah. one a day. That's yeah. not a one big a deal. Yeah. Okay. Well. They're all, you know, they're all little kids. They're all little, you know, citizens of the United States. So they're all addicted to sugar like the rest of our country. And we're trying to limit how much sugar they can have. That, that's what they want. They want to eat that stuff. But they know we're going to say no. So instead of coming to us and just asking us and letting us make the decision, they're all a bunch of thieves. <laughs> they're all a bunch of thieves, they They've completely Rebellion. rebelled. Rebellion. Completely rebelled. <laughs> And they and they they scheme and they, and then they'll send the one they think that will get in less trouble to raid the pantry and bring the rest of it to them, you know. And then we find rappers in their rooms. 
right? <laughs> and this anarchy is going on in my house and I'm losing my mind and I'm looking at, we'll catch him in the act and we'll look at him and we'll say, why didn't you just ask? Why didn't you just ask? And they look at us and they go, well, because we know you'll say no. And I'm like, that is not sufficient reason. <laughs> You need to come ask us. So now what we've done is we make sandwiches. My wife bakes bread. She breaks a cup, bakes a couple of loaves of bread every every day or every couple of days, and we cut those 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 sand. We cut the bread up, and we make sandwiches. And we make like peanut butter sandwiches or ham and cheese sandwiches mm -hmm. or whatever, and we stick them in the fridge. And we're not buying the granola bars anymore. And what we tell them is, you can have these sandwiches whenever you want. It's amazing how that's curbed their appetite. <laughs> I was wondering all how many sudden, sandwiches are coming to All of a sudden, they're not all that hungry. <laughs> and it's like, well, I looked at my wife the other day and I said, they can, they have free range on those sandwiches. I bought a bag of chips the other day oh and that's gosh. all they could talk about. Oh, when are we going to have chips? When are we going to have chips? <laughs> and you got to eat a couple of sandwiches first before you can have chips. Weren't that hungry. Oh, they weren't that hungry. Not hungry enough. No, they just want... So, I am not upset when my children come up and they're telling me the things that they want. Mm -hmm. Oh, we want chips. Oh, we want granola bars. Oh, yeah. we want, you know, that mm -hmm. doesn't upset me. What upsets me is when there's rebellion, when it's a complete toe, well, we already know what you're going to say, so we're going to be devious and scheme how yeah. we can get what we want despite yeah. it. And I'm sitting there going like, how much beating do you need before you stop this behavior? <laughs> and my wife's looking at me and she going, no amount of beating. That's the way children are. God's the same way. Mm -hmm. He wants us to come to him and ask. Mm -hmm. What he wants us to be is satisfied with his answer. Yeah. And to trust him that he knows well, well, best. Look at Mo Moses said, but Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot. And you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have in enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? Moses looking at it and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. This doesn't make any sense. Right. We don't have enough animals to do this. Yeah. yeah. You know, so even he has looked at it and said, excuse me? Whoa, 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 back up. Excuse me? Where's all this going to come from? He's dealing with God. He he, he has seen the, the fire in the cloud. And he's seen the pillar, the pillar of the cloud, the pillar of fire. He's seen all this. He's seen the parting of the sea. I, I love verse 23. The Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? <laughs> Yeah. Now, now I want to I want to point yeah. something out. I, I just uh, I, I just sat down and talked with a guy the other day, and he is he he according to him he is a Reformed Baptist, okay, mm -hmm. and so that that means that he's he's following a lot of Calvin's teachings essentially, and uh, one of the things he said was you know God saves right, and I'm not trying to make a caricature or uh, or a straw man out of what he was saying, but I'm, I'm trying to be true to the mm -hmm. way he said it. And essentially, what he said was, "Well, if we're mankind, we're totally, completely depraved. We cannot respond to God's grace. God has to regenerate us. He has to save us in order for us to respond to God's grace." And I said, "Well, wait a minute, though. You know, if if but you don't believe in universalism, right? So God's not going to save everybody. He's only going to save some people, right?" And he said, yes, yeah, God's only going to save some. And I said, okay, well, this doesn't make sense to me then. Because if if God is going to save the people he wants to save, right? He's only going to save the elect, right? But he's not going to save everyone. Why does God say, you know, God wants everyone, doesn't want anyone to perish, but all people to come to a knowledge of repentance, like like everybody to come mm -hmm. to repentance. Peter, it's Peter says this. Paul says it to Timothy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is a this is a verse. This is God's desire. God desires to save that everybody be saved. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand then. If God is the one saving and it has nothing to do with us, our choice is irrelevant. God is the one who saves. 
before we can ever respond. If that's true, then why does God say this? And why isn't everyone saved? And he said, well, there's a difference between God's actual will and his declarative will. Or his, there's a difference between God's wills here. God desires all people to be saved, but he's only going to save some. And I said, well, then, I said, I don't understand that. What's the difference? I said, if God says, my desire is that all people be saved, and it's on him to save them, why isn't everyone saved? What is prohibiting God from saving everyone? If his express desire is that all people be saved and he's the one doing the saving, mm -hmm. your decision, your choice, what you think and do and feel has no bearing on it, and it's all on God, why isn't everyone saved? And, my, and the only answer you could really come up to that is the, lar the Lord's arm is too short. That's really the only, that's the only logical is conclusion. Is that what he said? No, no, of course not. He backed, <laughs> he backed away from that question as fast as he could. But yeah. because it's a huge dilemma, that doesn't make any sense. But that's a dilemma that they've been dealing with for a long time. Oh, yeah. It's a huge, well, it's when a you huge come, When you come up with dilemma. The, that mindset about God saving, you know, the kind of people he saved. Well, the, and the tension is this. Does our choice matter? Mm -hmm. And they want to go look at Moses, or they want to go look at Pharaoh and see, see, Pharaoh's choice didn't matter. Well, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Pharaoh had five chances, and he hardened his own heart five times before God hardened his. Yeah. Now, God knew what he was going to do. I don't disagree that God has foreknowledge, mm -hmm. that God knows what we're going to choose. God knew that these yeah. people were going to do this. But for him to be a just and righteous God, we actually have to do it. Well, you know, when, when Moses is going to get commanded now, you know, and, and we don't have time to get into it, but, you know, but I, I like that idea. God, God looks at Moses and says, wait, whoa, whoa, back up, back up, wait a minute, wait a minute. And we do this all the time. Mm -hmm. We do it all the time. You know, and God's looking and saying, wait a minute, what, did you cut, somebody cut my arms off? Yeah. Well, is that what you're saying? That I can't do this? Right. Because that's exactly what we do. When we, when we look at God and said, I really need this to happen in my life. And I, and I need your help. And then we go and do it ourselves. What did we just say? Well, that's Abraham and, and Sarah there you and go. Hagar. There you, see, that's why Romans chapter 15 is so important because it, tell, it teaches us to just wait on God. It teaches that this is going to teach us some stuff. And, and I think I, I, let's I, take, let's take a real modern example. Mm -hmm. Our, our government is completely corrupt. Newsflash. If you didn't know, spoiler yeah. alert, sorry, completely corrupt. Completely corrupt. What's the, what, what's our response? And you have a whole lot of conservative Christians saying, well, it's time to take up arms. <laughs> what does the Bible say? Let's stop. Hold your horses here. Yeah. You're supposed to be a Christian. Let's ask what God has to say. What does God say? God says, submit. Yeah. And you say, well, that's not right. They're I know that. I know that. Mm -hmm. I get that. They are corrupt. And we know when it's time to not submit, right? We have examples of Peter before the Sanhedrin. We have examples of the midwives in Exodus. We know that when the government turns to us and says, hey, it's time for you to kill your fellow citizens. It's time for you to do this, or it's time for you to do this evil, we'll wicked no. thing. We know that that's the time for us to go, no. No, we're not going to do that. But when is it time? When well, is it appropriate? It, like when, we, when, when the government says it's okay to kill children, and then, and then they they say it's okay. It's okay to do it this way. It's okay to do this, way, and you can do it this much time frame and all this. And and as Christians, you know, we say no, no, not only no, but I'm not going to participate in this. I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to participate no, in this. No. So, at what point is it appropriate for a Christian to take up arms against the government? Let me help you out with that. Never, never, never. never. Why? Until until 
that government command you to sin? No, it's not even, it's not appropriate ever. If they command you to sin, you say no. You but, run but, away. That's what I'm saying. But when you, when, but there will come a point when, when the, uh, what happens? I, I, I see what you're saying. Okay, I got it. I was going different down a different track. I, I see. What you're yeah, saying. yeah. There's look. There comes a time where we don't. We no longer submit. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that it's appropriate for us to take up arms against the government. No. It is never because appropriate. Romans 13 says that God's put them in place. Never. And here's the thing. When he's saying that about a government mm-hmm. that is evil and wicked. He's saying that about a government that is holy. I mean, we're talking about the Roman government in the first century. Yeah. You want to talk about corruption? They were way, holy way, moly. They were they were killing their own citizens, man. They what is kill, yeah, what is the response of the church? But here's the thing: if we don't understand that we if we haven't learned these lessons here, if we haven't learned to wait on God, if we haven't learned to be patient, if we haven't learned what our role is and what God's role is, that we can trust Him. That doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. We're gonna suffer, church. Yeah. Something we've been talking about. In fact, we're going to talk about it again. But by the time this comes out, well, I've already done that. But, uh, you know, go watch our Sunday morning thing because we're talking about supper. And I said, you know, because Paul tells Timothy, said, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to spread the gospel. You're going to have to suffer. I'm suffering. He said, you're going to have to suffer. And my question was, why does God allow Christians, his people to suffer? Why does he allow that to happen? And we, we're going to start looking at some scriptures this next Sunday. You know, a why, you know, and we all understand it's for our growth, it's for our maturity, that kind of stuff. But we're going to look at the scriptures for it. Well, it's and, because God doesn't want anyone to perish. Yeah. And if he takes us out of the world, what witnesses does he have? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we're going to stop there because it because now we've got God said, uh, my arm's not too short. You know, is my arm too short? And said, and he said, and Moses going to take it to the people, and we'll pick it up there next week. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study and study together. I pray that you that you find people that to watch this, and find people that really need to uh, to be encouraged this way, and uh, and then help to touch their heart, Father, so that the so the teaching from from this from this context can really touch them. Father, we thank you for the opportunities again. We thank you, Father, for loving us. And we thank you so much for your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.